0: Good morning, everybody. Come on in. Come on closer. Sit in the sunshine. Grab a seat. Do mind the pine cones up in the trees. Last week, we had one fall down. And fortunately, it hit the umbrella and not somebody. So come on in. And let's worship our Lord together. Won't you stand with me? Welcome, everybody, online. We wish that you were here. It's a little chilly, but the sun is shining, and it is beautiful. We are gathering today to celebrate the love of our Lord. And we gather as Christians, children of God. If you are here seeking the Lord and wondering what being a Christian is all about, it's because we are children of God. We are sinners saved by God's grace. God's grace where he sent his son Jesus to pay the price for our sin. None of us are perfect, but we are holy through Christ Jesus. Praise God for that grace. In John 13, verse 34, Jesus gave us a new commandment. And he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love me. And this all people will know that you are my disciples, for you have love for one another. So let's sing together by our love.
1: We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity will one. And they know we are Christians by our love, by our love, yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love.
0: we thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. We thank you for your grace, your grace that is your favor, Lord, given to those of us so undeserved by you who are not obligated to give it, but because you love us, you gave it to us and called us to be adopted into your family. God, we thank you for saving us for your grace. In Jesus' name, let sing amazing grace.
1: free be forever mine, you are forever mine.
0: These are such strange days, aren't they? We need God's grace every day. I mean, I feel like, Lord, every morning we wake up, I need you. This hymn, I Need You, every hour was written by a mom a long time ago who was working at home, schooling her kids, doing so much of what um, we are doing now today. And in desperate times like we're living in, she cried out and wrote these words, I need thee every hour. Make this a prayer to your heart this morning. of will your name. We ask you to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. Let us hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
2: Morning. Good morning. Give it up for the team up here and for the Lord and for just a time of worship. Hey, welcome uh, to Sierra Bible Church. You know, there are many of you that are coming uh, new each week and Uh, The team here has been doing its best to try to reach out to you uh, and to uh, get to know you and and to welcome you to our church. My name is Jesse, uh, and for the most part, I get to do uh, a big bulk of the teaching here and uh, and, uh, just the leading of our church and and direction and prayer through a great group of uh, men that help us and guide us in it. So uh, just thankful for all those guys, but I want to make a couple announcements and then uh, tie in a few things that'll be important for you to know in the coming weeks. So first of all, can we just say, hey, I, I thought we were going to be freezing this morning. I think it's actually very nice. So, uh, do you guys enjoy a little bit of fall weather? Um, fall is is one of those things. I've got a lot of memories tied to it. Football was important to me, so it just reminisces of that time of getting back into sports and not being too sweaty and too hot in the Truckee area. And and then of course we know the snow is coming. So. Uh, we are going to be moving inside. We've actually set a date, so here's what we're going to do. So you're kind of mindful of all the ways we're going to try to serve you and continue to help you get plugged in, especially those of you who are still attending online, which we know uh, there's a great group of people that are doing that. Uh, November 1st, so that's when we're going to move inside. Right now we're committing to two services, 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. If those services uh, tend to be full, we're actually looking at possibly adding a third uh, service. Right now, our county will allow us to have 200 people per service, uh, so that's nice of them to allow us to do that. But we're going to be going inside, and then we're going to be opening up other parts of the building. Uh, recognizing one of the things that's nice about being outside, uh, for those of you who are concerned or you're working with people uh, who have pre-existing conditions, you know, you can scatter out a little bit further out and, and things like that. We're going to try to create that when we go inside to the best uh, of our uh, ability uh, but we recognize that we're going to be limited when we go inside and so of course we'll still be offering all of our online and on demand services um but I just you know as we've been communicating every week and one of the reasons we're in the book of 1 Timothy is because it's important for us to 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 basically understand what is the church why do we gather and what is God's intentions for the church and so um, if you will, I want to ask you to do two things while I kind of just talk just a couple minutes more. One is turn to the book of first Timothy, but I also want you uh, to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, and I'm going to tie these two pieces of scripture together and you'll see why. Um, but one other thing that we really want you to be mindful of is we do a huge event here every year called trunk or treat. We have well over a thousand people that, that typically attend that event in this parking lot. And we've had to kind of pivot and change. We're kind of at a risk of not making that event happen, uh, mainly because we need volunteers. Uh, and so we're doing something a little unique, a little different, uh, which is we're going to do kind of a drive-through deal, uh, and we're going to have all kinds of – we have a bunch of volunteers who are already willing to bring uh, CHP vehicles, um, uh, what uh, excavators, and different things like that for the kids to see and check out as we hand out candy to them. Uh, and so if you want to help, Brad knows your guy to touch base with. So this is Brad – uh he's got a beanie on and he is large and in charge man he's our dude brad makes things happen around here you got to be thankful for brad so touch base with him uh let us know uh and if we we can't do it this year then then hey we can't do it this year as long as uh we understand that we're not about entertainment um we are about serving our community but more than anything we're about being in god's word and teaching and then when we open up november 1st we've only had uh one thing that we haven't had totally open and that is nursery. So for those of you who had little babies, you know that you've had to hold them, hug them, squeeze them. And we're opening up nursery November 1st, uh, along with indoor uh, services. And so uh, parents, you can be looking forward to that. I know some of you are waiting for it. Um, go to Hebrews 13 first. And uh, let, me, let me just kind of rant a little bit here. The Remember, we're in Timothy. So even though we're, we're going to get there, don't worry. Uh, we're gonna get there, but I want to tie in Hebrews 13 because it's important. One of the goals of being in Timothy again is for us to understand what the church is. Now, now let me be kind of clear because some of you, some of you don't go to church because of what the church is. You come to church uh, for maybe so many other reasons. Now I don't think that's necessarily true of us and our gathering, but it is true across our nation. Many people go to church because of its entertainment value, or they go to church because of what they provide. Many people choose a church based upon the music, uh, based upon whether they have a good children's program uh, or if they have a good youth program. What's really interesting is is the Bible actually never tells us to pick a church or go to a church based off of those things. You're not going to find anywhere in Scripture where God says when you are looking for a church, make sure that its programs are really good and that they're really entertaining. That's not what the Bible ever teaches anywhere. It doesn't say that anywhere. It doesn't say make sure that you feel really good when you leave. Like that's not the goal of the church. And so Paul, remember now Paul, he was one at one time a persecutor of Christians like you and I. He murdered Christians. He he literally was putting them on trial and murdering them and then Jesus shows up to him on the road to Damascus. He saves Paul. Paul becomes a Christian. He he sets himself aside for what we we know is about a two or three year silent period, probably, I believe, trying to infuse all of his education in the Torah, all of his education in the Old Testament, and and infuse it with the gospel and what what Jesus has to say about those things. And then after that time of training, he just becomes kind of a Christian leader uh, on steroids, if you will. He just begins to plant churches. He begins to raise up leaders. He is persecuted for it. He is beat up for it. And he just keeps getting knocked down, but he keeps getting back up and he keeps planting churches. And he goes to this one place called Lystra and he meets a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy, which is the book that we're in, uh, Paul sees in Timothy a couple things. One, he was raised by his mother uh, and his grandmother. He he actually uh, probably didn't have a father in his picture for... Uh, Many years. Paul sees something in him. Uh, Other Christian leaders saw something in Timothy, and he raises up Timothy and he actually starts to journey with Timothy on his missionary journeys for about 15 years. Paul worked with Timothy for about 15 years, and at a certain point in time, Paul actually removed Timothy out of Lystra, put him in Ephesus, and puts him in charge of the church in Ephesus. Now, Paul leaves to plant more churches. And when he, comes, uh, when he starts hearing word of what's happening with Timothy, he writes this letter to Timothy on how the church should operate. Remember, the foundation of Timothy, you've got to look for the purpose statement every now and then in Scripture. The, the foundation of Timothy is in chapter 3, verse 15. Paul says, he's writing these things that you and I would know how we should behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of truth. Remember those words, a buttress of truth. Truth. One of the things that Paul's trying to tell Timothy, one of the things that I'm trying to communicate to you by way of Paul through Timothy, by way of God who inspired this, is there is a right way to do church and there is a wrong way to do church. In fact, uh, Sarah uh, asked me the title of the message this morning. She was one of the gals up here doing worship, and I said, The title of the, the sermon is Good Church, Bad Church. Now, I could have come with uh, all kinds of different titles. Another one might be Sound Doctrine false doctrine, sound teachers, false teachers, whatever it might be, I want you to see this morning that there's there's a way in which we should do church and a way in which we should gather and a way in which we should worship Jesus and there are ways in which we should not. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse seven. Now, if you would, uh, those of you who come on a regular basis, you know, because we just are in love with Jesus and we're in love with his spoken word and we honor his word by standing for the reading. Would you stand with me one more time Not for religious purposes, but to recognize that we're in the household of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember, some of your translations actually might say, obey your leaders. Those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church, say amen. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Jump all the way to verse 17 now. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. They're keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So Lord, now we ask that your word would seep deep into us, that your love and your grace, your personhood, your presence would be made stronger in us this morning than it was before we came. Transform us into your image. May this be a moment of an amazing grace moment for us, Lord, and we trust you for it, and the church said, amen. You may be seated. Okay, I just want to take a moment here before we get into the first 10 verses of Timothy to just kind of understand something about instruction of the leadership in the church, because Paul's a leader, he is pouring into Timothy, who is a leader, and Hebrews gives us kind of a couple things that are important. Let's start with the leader, okay? There's two things here. One is, uh, if you are a leader, these are instructions for you, this is an instruction for me. Uh, If you want to be a leader, these are things that you uh, should strive for. If you have a leader in your life, if you have a pastor in your life, these are things you should hold them accountable to. Look at verse 17 of Hebrews first for the leader. We're going to bounce around a little. It says that they're to watch over your soul. Okay, on Sunday mornings as well as during the week, myself and the rest of the elders have a responsibility to care for your what? Your soul. Now take note specifically, not just your physical well-being. Okay, all of us know that our bodies are decaying, amen? Okay, some more than others. And, and we recognize that the body will decay. In fact, Paul even says exercise is kind of of little, no value. Not that you shouldn't do it, but it's a little of no value. What really matters is the soul. It's the pastor's job. It's his obligation to provide good teaching, love and encouragement for your faith, and support and resources for your growth. Are you with me? It's important that you demand of your pastors. Notice what it says in Hebrews here that they they are not led away by diverse and strange teachings. Have you ever been to a church that has some strange teachings? Avoid these things. Now take note of this as well, okay? This is a season that has weighed heavy on my heart, heavy on me as a pastor, because it also says in verse 17, not only do we keep watch over your souls, but we have to keep watch over your souls as leaders that will give an account to who? Who? God. That means everything I say here at some point in time in my future, almost gives me the heebie jeebies thinking about it. I have to stand before Christ and answer to Him for everything that I do and say in leading the church. Do you recognize the amount of responsibility that is? The amount of responsibility that Paul had, the amount of responsibility that Timothy had. Now, now, Can I can I just push on you a little bit? Some of you are not responsible enough to own a cat or a dog. I mean, we went through that conversation in my house. We've got four kids. We were thinking about getting a cat. We got a cat. I keep wondering when we're going to kill it. And we're we're doing well. We're doing all right. We're hanging in there. But some of us can't. We don't want to deal with the responsibility of an animal, a turtle, a fish. It's too much responsibility. This has been a season where your pastors, your leaders have had to wrestle not through giving an account to the community, not to giving an account to the government, but giving an account to God. Moving inside, that's a decision that we have to make, not to give an account to the community, but to the Lord, what we teach, what we preach, what we say. This is why James actually says, not many of you should actually be teachers because you know you will incur a stricter judgment upon your soul. Teachers are judged by God and by the community, and they should be. To a certain degree, they should be. Because there's a heavy responsibility for Paul here. Heavy responsibility for Timothy here. Heavy responsibility for me and for your elders and your other pastors who desire to lead you well according to God's standard and not the the, the standard of the world. And hopefully as you are filtering through All of the things that you're hearing on the news and on social media, you are filtering the church through the biblical lens and not the cultural lens. Amen? Now, what about you? (laughs) It literally says within this section, verse 7, that that if you have good leaders, verse 7, it says you should imitate their faith. Not their fear, but their faith and their courage. That you should demand that your pastor doesn't... teach strange things. And then in verse 17, two different things that you obey them, that you have humble submission. And then I like this one in verse 17, would you make it a joy that when they lead you, would you make it a joy? Can I just, let me just, for my own sake, read this again to you. Let them do this, that is to lead you with joy and not what? Come on, look at your text and read it. Get this in your heart. Get this in your mind. I'm going to need this in the winter here, okay? You're going to need this in the winter. What does it say? Without groaning. The Bible says do all things without complaining. This is not a season to groan. It's not a season to complain. There's never a season to groan and to complain. And it actually says why? Not just because it's not a, a disadvantage to me, but it's an advantage to you. So let me just kinda again, you know, some of this maybe sounds so selfish, but has it have you been an encouragement to your pastor in this season? Or have you groaned and complained? Right? And and the thing is, is if you groan and complain, I'm okay with it as long as for the right reasons. Biblical reasons, not cultural reasons. And then on the other side of that, let's just be clear so we understand what kind of things are a blessing to leaders and pastors. You know it's a blessing to be part of? Weddings. Weddings are a blast. I just did one in the middle of Lake Tahoe a couple weeks ago. Complete blast. I, I love seeing a couple come together, uh, especially a, a a young Christian gal and a young Christian guy, and they, they fall in love, and they want Jesus at the center of their marriage. And, 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 you know, they're like 19, 20, 21 years old, and they have no idea how hard marriage is going to be, but they just know that Jesus is going to be with them. And then it's a joy to to, to wrestle with them in year 10 of their marriage and to see how God's still working in their marriage. That's a joy. You know what else is a joy? When when a Christian finally gets that they should be baptized in front of their church family to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. Baptisms are amazingly fun. You know what else is really, really encouraging? When someone in the church is inviting their friends to church, And, and if you've been invited this morning, it's because the person who invited you actually really, really loves you. I love it when someone says, we're bringing so-and-so to church. I'm hearing stories right now of all kinds of people who are checking out Sierra Bible Church and and they're saying things like, I don't know if I want to go to that church. It seems like they might be too conservative. It seems like they, they, they might be a little weird. It seems like, but I'm checking it out. I love that. That's an encouragement to hear people who don't know Jesus exploring who Jesus is because eventually the Spirit of God cuts between all those things and then brings them to himself. The other side, it's, it's a burden when you, see, when you see Christians fall into sin, when you see people reading the wrong books, following false teachers. You know, it's interesting that it's it's been kind of difficult in this season because so many people, when we initially shut down, right, COVID hit, we were like, this is serious, the numbers, gonna, two million people are going to die, this is going to be, you know, we've got to do our thing, we've got to do our part, we've got to keep people safe. And on the heels of that, you know, I heard a lot of, of individuals, the church needs to be open. Why, why don't you open it? You got to open it. And people started to push back. In fact, some people just started to come on Sundays, whether I asked them to or not. And, and, then, and then we opened. We're outside. We're here. Uh, and then I would talk to those individuals. He said, the church has got to be open. Where are you? Well, it's just been, you know, it's a tiring season. It's hard. We're, we're watching online. You know, I, I love the fact that we can provide an online gathering for people, especially if they're sick, especially if they're out of town, especially if they're just checking things out. They're not ready to be here. I, I'm okay with all of that. But I have, I have an inkling, you know, that, that, that when people see me in the community and they go, I haven't seen you in church in months. Where have you been? Oh, I've been watching online. Have you? Because I don't know. One individual actually he said, how's it been? I've been watching online. How's it been? I said, it's good. He goes, yeah, man, it really looks like it's packed out there. So well, that's interesting because the camera never pans the crowd. How do you know we're packed out? Busted. You're not coming to church. That's a discouragement to me. That's a burden. Paul, again, who wrote this letter, and he's trying to get Timothy ready, because Paul loves the church and he knows that Timothy loves the church. Paul in the New Testament talks about all the things he went through to help the church grow. I mean, he traveled and he didn't travel with a Tesla. He didn't travel with an e-bike. He 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 went on ships. He he went by foot. He went by horse. He he literally says that he was beaten. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was left for dead. He was left homeless. He'd been imprisoned. He's been abused. And, and so get this for a moment. Okay? You got a guy who's just been through it. He... He's been just through the ringer. His life has been on the line day after day. And in the text that I'm talking about, near the end of the text, he then says, you know what actually really keeps me up at night? You know what really kind of stresses me out, he says? The abiding concern for the health of the church. Paul actually took his mentality of the health of the church, it weighed heavier on him than to go into community and to be placed in prison. That's responsibility. That's a pastor who loves your church. So now go to Timothy, okay? It's just backdrop for you to understand, hopefully, some healthy leadership. Now, in verse one, Paul, who's an apostle of Christ, I'm sorry, of Christ Jesus by command of God our Savior and of the Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy, my true child. Remember, they had a father-son relationship. He goes on and says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus as our Lord. Check out verse 3. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. It's kind of fun when you can see in the text uh, similarities between what's in the text and what's in your life. This is what Paul says. I'm going to give you a few instructions that Paul says for the church, for the church to be healthy, uh, especially in moments of trial. So the first one will give us a good foundation and it ties in very similar to the transition we went through. So some of you are new and you don't know, almost three and a half years ago, uh, we had a transition in leadership between Wayne, who had been here for 28 years, Wayne, where are you? 28? Do I have that right? 28 years. And then I'd been, I'd been working here for several years and then, and then we transitioned almost three and a half years ago uh, to, to myself. This is literally what happened in Ephesus. <laughs> Okay, Paul Paul goes to Ephesus with Timothy. He's trained Timothy. He puts him in Ephesus, and Ephesus is this little bustling church. It's growing. Paul leaves, and then things get weird. People start teaching false things. Okay, now, now the reason, I hope you can make this connection, okay? We transitioned, and now things have gotten weird. Right? Truckee's weird. California is weird. It's weird. Our leadership is weird. I don't, I don't care who you're voting for, they're all weird. Nobody's normal anymore. And it's because of the internet, it has ruined us. And, 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 and what Paul says, to listen to what he says, when he says, Timothy, stay. I'm urging you to stay. See, Paul started the church, he left the church, things got weird. Timothy's a young guy, and he's around all these older people who are telling him that that, that this is how you're supposed to lead the church. This is how you're supposed to guide them. This is what you're supposed to be telling them. So there's this young, timid guy with all these older believers around him saying, you know, Timothy, what you got to do is, and I'm sure at a certain point, just as I have in the last several months, Timothy thought, I'm out of Ephesus. I'm going back to Lystra, right? Right? Are you with me? I'm out of California and I'm going to Florida. It's open there. Right? I might get eaten by an alligator, but hey! This is exactly what Timothy probably was feeling. And Paul tells him no, 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 Timothy, stay because the church needs somebody who's gonna stand on sound biblical doctrine that's going to love the church and help them get through this horrible, tumultuous time without being distracted by all the nuances of culture, but to stand firm on the gospel that is Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians, don't grow weary of doing good. He'll tell Timothy, fight the good fight. He actually will tell Timothy in chapter 1, verse 18, a little later, wage the good warfare. Hey, Church fam, we're at war. Do you know that? You don't fight this war by, by rioting and, and fighting, and that's not how you. you fight it by praying. And you fight it by standing firm on the gospel. And then the, the next instruction, verse 3, he tells him teach sound doctrine, fight, fight against false doctrine, false teaching, which is literally to mean, doctrine literally means good teaching or or good good gospel groundedness acts 20 verse 29 paul says this i know that after my departure fierce wolves will come among you where do fierce wolves come from among you dividing the flock getting them astray jesus actually said it even better than that he said beware of the false prophets and teachers who will come They'll come in sheep's clothing, they'll look like a Christian, they'll smell like a Christian, they'll talk like a Christian, but inside they're ravenous wolves. He goes on in chapter 24 of the same place in Matthew, many false prophets will arise and even lead many astray. Church, do you know that there's a such thing as false doctrine? There's a such thing as false teaching? That you are not allowed as a person of faith to believe whatever the heck you want. We've said it before, this is not Burger King. You don't get it your way. You get it the Bible's way. Here's the deal. What Paul's essentially telling Timothy, what Paul's essentially telling the church, what Paul's essentially telling me is you have to be willing to either offend God or offend people. If you are trying to, to, to do anything you can to appease the masses, there's a good chance you're gonna offend God. I do not have the privilege as your pastor or your teacher to teach whatever I want. I don't get to get on my own little hobby horses and take you down any path that I desire. I have to stand on truth. And more than anything else, our world needs truth. Truth. It needs a solid footing to stand upon. We can't trust the media. We can't trust social media. We can't, we can't trust our, our leaders, it seems. Nobody's telling the truth. One person says another thing. Another person says another thing. And then Paul tells us what some of these false doctrines are. He, he actually uses this language called myths and endless genealogies. Let's talk about those for a moment. You know the way that you could word myths? I might be taking a little bit of privilege here. Uh, but I think it's there in the text, conspiracy theories. Paul actually tells Timothy, as a good teacher, would you not indulge in conspiracy theories? Oh, come on, I'm about to get somebody now. I'm about to get somebody. You remember when the virus first hit, we were told, quite possibly it was because of 5G. It's the towers. It's the cell towers. It's the deep state. We've been told all kinds of different things from all kinds of different people who've made really, really cool videos because anybody can make a cool video now. And you get in that cool video and you go, this is what it is. And then you put it on your social media feed and then someone else shares it. And the next thing you know, you're, you are debating in endless myths, endless genealogies, endless language that leads to no godliness. Okay, let me let me tease this out a little bit um I know many of you have deleted your Netflix account but hopefully before you did you checked in on a a, a, a documentary um, called the social dilemma have you heard of it well that's discouraging three of you okay 10 over here they still have their Netflix account you guys don't church is divided right No, I'm just kidding um. The Social Dilemma is a whole documentary on how your internet experience is catered to you. Everything from when you type in Google to what you type in on Facebook to what you put on Twitter. And you may think that you are not susceptible to this, my friends. You are. Because the internet makes money for somebody. It doesn't make money for you. If it doesn't make money for you, then guess who the product is? You. You're the product being sold. The internet doesn't make money by getting you to think. It gets money by reinforcing what you believe. So, so most of us are susceptible to this base inclination we have in our minds to continue to click these things to buy into. Now we just, if, if I'm a Trump person, that's all I'm ever gonna believe. If I'm a Democrat person, that's all I'm ever gonna believe. And everything you see online just reinforces that because very few of us know how to find resources that are unbiased. I mean, think of someone who's really, really unbiased. Can you find that person? No, we, we like to hear the things we like to hear. In fact, when you go on Google and you type something in, it'll be different for you than it is for me. Same thing on your Facebook page. It's a different experience for you than it is for me. Same thing on Instagram. Same thing on Twitter. It's a different thing. You want to know why? Because the Internet makes money on getting you wrapped up in myths and the discussion of endless genealogies. Where do we come from? What do we do? The Internet is our myths of the day. Now, here's the deal. Here's what's important. Why am I saying all this? Because what Paul essentially says is, when you enter in the discussion of of myths. When you enter into the discussion of endless genealogies, he says, it's babble, it's, it's gossip. And at the end of the day, nobody's growing closer to Jesus and nobody's getting saved. You hear what I'm saying? That the church, when it dives into these discussions, when the church forgets the center of its conversation piece, which is the gospel Now, if I mention politics and and, and certain names, it's only because it's the season of that. But I'm not here to tell you how to vote. I'm here to tell you how to worship Jesus. That's my job. The Bible doesn't tell me to tell you how to vote. It doesn't. it will never say that. The Bible doesn't give me instructions on whether you should be circumcised or not either. It doesn't say whether you should wear a mask or not wear a mask, which is the new circumcision, by the way. It is. And if we can think these things through and realize that that we don't want to promote speculation, controversy, or fighting or arguing over things like masks, we need to unite over the thing that unites us, which is the forgiveness of our sins because of the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Seriously. One pastor says, how many of you have been in churches where it's arguing for arguing, but nobody gets saved? Nobody gets changed. Nobody gives up drugs. Nobody gives up alcohol. Nobody gets married. Nobody has a kid. Nothing good ever happens. Just arguing, and the latest thing that some agitated small group of influencers has cast in the middle, and everybody rallies around it as its point of conversation, and all it is is controversy. We live in a day and age where the minority has divided the majority. And the majority in the church, I'm telling you, church, we when when we gather, we gather because Jesus is good, amen. I mean, what changed the world in the 1500s in the Reformation was Jesus alone, by grace alone, through the Word of God alone, for His glory alone. Those solas and the Reformation, they are foundation. They are alone. Literally means alone. We don't need to get sidetracked and fall into side eddies. Paul actually in 1 Corinthians he says it like this For I deliver to you as the first important, of first importance he said of what I've also received listen to the simplistic message of the church the simplistic message of the scripture Christ died for our sins accordance with the scriptures Isn't that good? I mean, I'm 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 begging my own heart if you will <laughs> I'm begging you, if you will, let us be grounded in Jesus. Not in false teaching, not in strange myths, not in, not in arguments that just divide us. I even almost hate saying some of these things. I hate even saying the word mask because it already comes with a prepackaged thing, right? I mean, I have to have a lot of conversations with people in our church from a lot of points, points of view. You know that, don't you? And all of you have your convictions. I get that. I understand it. On one side, I have those who, who literally on the mask thing, they say, you know, if you will just try to understand where they come from, if you just not have a tweet, not have a Facebook message, not have a text message, but you sit down with somebody who, who feels like they should wear a mask wherever they go, you'll find what they, what they feel in their heart is, well, I wear a mask because I, I'm not afraid as much as I just don't, I, do, I don't want to like give it to the other person if I have it. And, and I want to make sure they know I love them. I, I don't want to, I just don't want to act like I like they're not important to me, and there are people who are afraid, and so I'm willing to put on a mask because I don't want to. I don't want to make that person more fearful, and I'm. It's a love of neighbor kind of thing for people. It is. It's just I want to love my neighbor, and so I'll wear a mask. I go, okay, wear your mask. All right, makes sense. Love of neighbors in the Bible. And then the other side of the fence is 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 well, if I wear a mask, I'm buying in to the propagation. I'm buying into the message that of governmental control and and shrinking of the church and and government overreach, and I don't want to wear a mask because I don't want to buy into these things. Do you know both motives? There's nothing wrong with either motive. But there's a problem when you think you're more righteous because of the reason which you wear or don't wear your mask. That's a problem. That's why I called it the new circumcision. I'm circumcised. Didn't need to know that. I'm not circumcised. I didn't even know that either. Do you believe? Do you believe in the eternal God who came from heaven to earth and humbled himself in the form of a man born in a manger who lived a perfect life, who then journeyed to Mount Calvary and died for the sins in which you deserve To die for? Do you believe that the wrath of God fell upon him so it wouldn't fall upon you? And then he was put into a tomb for three days, and then he became alive again because he and he alone has victory over death. And do you believe that he did that on your behalf so that you could have eternal life, that you would be resurrected as he is resurrected? Do you believe that, church? That is all that matters. That is all that matters. That's the eternal perspective. And then Paul tells us in verse 5, why Timothy? Why, why not dive into these genealogies? Why not dive into these myths? Why, if, if Paul was in here to Timothy today, he'd say, Timothy, just don't be on Facebook, okay? You want to lead your church well? Just stop looking at your phone so much. And then he tells Timothy why? Because the instruction is love. The goal and the commandment is love. He, he, he loves the church. Paul loves the church. He knows that Timothy loves the church. And he's saying, I'm saying these things because I love you and I want you to thrive and I want you to do well. Paul later actually says this fear. He says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, he says. Paul has a fear. And he says, my fear is that the serpent, the deceived Eve, by his cunning, that your thoughts which is where the battle is is played out, will lead you astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. That's my fear for us as a church, that will allow the mess of the world to lead us astray from a pure devotion to Jesus. You know what this means? It means that the most loving thing a church can do is to tell you things you don't want to hear. Do you have a friend that rebukes you, calls you on stuff? It's because they love you. No father just lets their child do whatever the heck they want. No father does that. It's my job as a father to correct my children, to guide them to what it looks like to live in a, in a world where you respect other people, you care for other people, you serve other people. That takes an enormous amount of time so that my kids will not be led astray. We have to monitor what they watch because every now and then they watch something, they think, well, we saw this on TV and this is normal. We go, no, it isn't. You're no longer watching that program. Why? Because it's not okay. That's not how we're to live our lives. It's it's not in accordance with the word of God. And then Paul lastly says in verse 8, that there's those who use the law incorrectly and there's those that understand the law is used correctly. What does that mean? <laughs> it means there are some teachers on Sunday all they teach you is the law. Do you know what I mean by that? Well, the law is you got to open your bible, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Don't do this, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do that either. Don't do it. But a real teacher will open the Bible not just tell you what to do. A real teacher will open the Bible, which is the law that leads us to grace. Where the Bible says, do you love Jesus? Will you love Jesus? See, Christianity is not about what you do. It's about what you love. Because what you love is what you become. See, there's a place for the Ten Commandments. And Paul actually tells us, if you look, i got to read it because it's in the Bible. I know this isn't popular for our culture today. But look at verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and the sinners, the unholy and the profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. You know, you know, you want to know how you know a church is healthy? A church is healthy when people are convicted of sin. That's what Paul's saying. A church is healthy when someone understands that their sin is keeping them from God, but then they understand that the grace of God in response to your conviction is that Jesus draws near to you, not far from you. That no matter what your sin may be this morning, no matter how you've sinned in this last week, no matter what mistakes that you've made in the last year, no matter what kind of myths maybe you've bought into, that if you are open and willing to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that he is good and he is faithful to forgive you of that sin and to draw near to you and not far from you. See, a healthy church, and a healthy church, we, we sit under this tent or underneath that building together as Christians who recognize that without Jesus, we're nobodies and we're filled with sin and, and frustration and, and at times just vanity that life just seems to just always kind of go through our hands with no purpose. When we come to Jesus and we recognize, yeah, I'm a sinner, but more than that, my identity is saint and Christ always overcomes the identity of sinner that Jesus sees me as a true child in faith, that he wants to bring me into his family, and that now all that I do, if I am continually being reminded of who he is, that everything I do actually has eternal purpose. It gives meaning to life, meaning uh, to why we do what we do. It gives us substance. It gives us something concrete to stand on. We're not building our houses in the sand, but on, the again, the rock that is Jesus. What would it look like if all of us believed? If all of us stood on the grace of God, if all of us, what would our community be like if all of us just said, you know, hey, I have Jesus, you have Jesus, that is sufficient. I can't wait to see you on Sunday. Can't wait to hear the word of God. Can't wait to, to worship God who deserves my glory. So here's what I want you to do. I know some of you are checking Sierra Bible Church out. I know some of you are checking other churches. I know that you have the opportunity right now to tune in and, and to all kinds of amazing Bible teachers who are so much better at what they do than me. And it's just never been a harder time actually to be a teaching pastor because you, you could pull up anybody in the world and look at how good, they, they made me feel good. Oh man, he's the perfect guy. And then you've got, you've got preacher like you do at grocery store, right? One day you buy a banana, the other day you buy an apple. It's whatever you want. I know he said you can't have it your way, but I want it my way. Let me just encourage you through what Paul spent an enormous amount of time in Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus to do, finding a good church. Three things you should look for. Three things you should demand. Number one, does the pastor use scripture? Paul actually tells Timothy and 2 Timothy to rightfully handle the word of truth. There is no reason for a church not to open their Bible, and if they don't, You should find a different church. How do you know what they're saying is anchored to the eternal truth that has lasted for well over two millennia? Number two, ask what is the church's goal? Is it to tickle your ears? Is it to entertain you? Or is it to love you, honor God over all else? Is it to give you self happiness and comfort? Or is it to make Jesus even greater than, than you could ever think or imagine? What is the church's goal? And number three, look for the fruit. Ask yourself when you come to a gathering, when I'm around these people, do these followers of Jesus love Jesus more than anything else? Or do they love something else? Now, your conversations, where you spend your money, what you put online, all say an enormous amount about what you love. Historical moment needs a historical response. And the historical response of the church is to continue to preach the grace and love of Jesus week in and week out without faltering, without failing, and without compromise. Amen? Would you stand with me as we pray and we close this morning? Lord, I know in a message like this, there's much uh, instruction. Good leaders, bad leaders, good churches, bad churches, good doctrine, false doctrine. At the same time, Lord, these things are important, that we would recognize the church is to be grounded on the great grace of Jesus, the gospel, that sinners are saved, not because of what they've done, but because of what you have done. And that outflowing from the gospel of grace, outflowing from the fact that we are saved not because of anything that we could ever accomplish, Lord, that we would have a true love for one another. And that we would say, see, Lord, as as even that documentary I mentioned, Lord, said that the real issue, these are non-Christian men, the real issue about bringing our nation together is being able to finally stand and be united on what is true or even the secular world is asking what is truth it's the question that even pilate asked lord before he surrendered and washed his hands to turn you over lord to die he asked what is truth lord we are faced with that same question today what is truth Lord, we thank you that one of the things we know is true is that, Lord, you are preeminent, that you are God. We know that it is true that you came to live with us, to tabernacle amongst us, Lord. We know that it is true that you are always extending an invitation to us to know you and to love you. And I pray that truth would permeate this area now that each one of us, saved already or maybe not, would hear your still small voice, especially while in worship, to come to you freely, without guilt, without condemnation, but with freedom. May we feel your fathering amongst us, your parenting, your embrace, your comfort, and your protection. We trust you, Lord, for all of these things and even so much more. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: We're going to repeat the song that we started with this morning. Let's make this our fight song for this week. We're in the spiritual battle, as Jesse was telling us this morning. We need to go out in unity and love one another, and love our neighbor. By our love. We are
1: one in the Spirit. We are one in the Lord. We are store. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our
0: his grace. May his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you guys. Have a good week and we'll see you next Sunday.